0: Hello gentle listener. Welcome to a very special edition of pop culture makes me jealous. I'm your host Julia When Bridgerton exploded all over Netflix and the rest of the internet we as humans accepted this eight-part series with open and eager arms In the winter months, I love escaping into British worlds that take place in an era I cannot exist in. My mild obsession with British royalty started at a young age when I first saw a picture of young Prince William, who isn't that much older than me. And like some girls who grew up on fairy tales and Disney princess movies, I dreamed, quite often, of falling in love with a prince and being swept away into a far more glamorous life than the one I was doomed to live in the Central Valley of California. But deep down inside, I knew that wasn't a reality for a girl like me, a sort of brown child, ethnically ambiguous, even on my prettiest of days. And then Prince Harry announced his undying love for Meghan Markle and that they would be wed soon. And my heart, my princess dreaming, fairy tale loving childhood heart, soared. You don't know this about me unless you actually know me but i received my bachelor's degree in creative writing in 2015 and my master's in the same subject four years later in those classes there was a heavy amount of reading and the constant praise of british authors storytellers held to the highest of standards that we as creative writing students should strive to achieve such impeccable storytelling technique And after years of reading about British writers being the gold standard, I walked away with both of my degrees determined to create a better syllabus for any student I may ever have if I ever found a teaching job at a junior college or university. When the Bridgerton cast graced my screen for the first time in my little girl heart, I felt part of an era that often shows people who look like me in a negative lens. Over the next few weeks, my friend Melissa will be joining me as we dissect this show. I am so excited to bring this to your ears. In this episode, we focus on the events that happen in episodes one and two. But first, a quick message. Hey friends, just wanted to pop in real quick and say, are you on Instagram? Are you following us on Instagram? Find us at pop culture makes me jealous. That's where we have all of our conversations post show drop. And we want you to be a part of it. We want to know what do you think of the show? What do you think of this week's episode? Did you agree? Did you disagree? We won't know any of those things until you go over to Instagram. Give us that follow and start having a conversation with us. We can't wait to talk to you there. Find us on Instagram at pop culture makes me jealous. Looking forward to talking with you. Okay, friends, here we go. To the show, Melissa. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're you're here today to talk with me about Bridgerton. I'm so excited to talk about Bridgerton. (laughs) Did you fall under the Duke's spell like the rest of the world did? Uh (laughs) I kind of love that response, though. I have like I have like moments of loving the Duke.
1: I have empathy for the Duke. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of empathy
0: for him. In episode one, we meet everybody for the first time. You know, it's the coming out season in London and everyone's sort of doing their presentations, debuts to the queen. And so we start with the characters start kind of falling into place. And we learn that the Duke of Hastings... Uh, Simon Bassett returns to London after you know being abroad or whatever. And then we get introduced to the Lady Whistledown pamphlet, the gossip sheet or whatever. Right. And so we kind of that's the introduction and we're watching everyone sort of prepare for for all of that. I, I don't even know where to begin in which angle to take because the concept of debutante ball still exists which weirds me out but to take it into the context as you noted in our notes of 1813 being our starting point
1: so debutante so the debutante season comes with that era with that era so like with that era we're in regency time period you could tell because everyone's in a freaking empire waste and everyone looks kind of pregnant yes just a little yeah and, but like but like and please don't think that i'm talking shit about that because like i actually love regent sierra i thought that they're oh god i just love every single
0: the costumes were incredible
1: great even the really gaudy ones of Wolf yes. we'll that later the featheringtons <laughs> yes and why,
0: and why that's a
1: thing so the revolutionary war is already done but they've already lost the americans right yes. Yes. And King George is already way deep into his porphyria. Right. So he is. He is just not there. You have to remember that they had like 13 kids.
0: Yeah. I know. Cause I know. 15,
1: 15 I, 13, something like it's that. Something was, like
0: that. They only make a quick reference in a later episode to two of them. And when that reference happened, yes. I know that's a different episode, but when that reference happened, I was like, There's more than that like why y'all acting like there's only two like why anyway but that's not the point that wasn't the point of the show
1: um i think that the reason that they did it that way is because when his porphyria got to that point and he did like basically when he lost his mind he i think that that was a huge trigger for him was he kind of went crazy when his daughter died
0: right and that was
1: a recurring thing that he just he ended up that was a very mm-hmm. that was a very true thing. He mm-hmm. constantly asked her where Amelia was. But then you've got this debutante season.
0: <laughs> you know, meat market to marry off your eligible uh childbearing aged daughters. I've got into
1: like this rabbit hole, right, of like what a debutante is. It's the age of being of a marital age. It's right. not the age that they are coming to season and like being fake th- have babies like they haven't. Menstru- right, they haven't. It's not just because you start menstruating; you go into debutante season.
0: So, in the book, so I, when we were talking offline about uh, prepping for the show, I pulled up the the Duke and I, which is the first book in the series. I borrowed it from the library, which I encourage people to borrow books from the library. It's only twelve hours on audiobook, because so it's like I'm not going to have time to like actually like hold put it on hold and read it. And so, I only got through the first three chapters prior to this, and. Daphne in the show is in her first season debuting for the very first time Daphne in the book is going into her second season so I thought that was an interesting change that they made and kind of a crucial one if you really think about the concept of where the show goes by the end of episode eight so I'm curious now I'm eager to finish the book to see how that makes a difference if any other like major changes make a difference
1: yeah I wonder why they chose to do that in the in the show because like that would actually make a lot more sense
0: it could she even be the bell of the ball though if she's the you know like the the shining the star of secondary. the season if it's I her don't... second season the implication from movies that represent this sort of thing is if you go into a second season you're not quality they're like the,
1: they're like the bruised apple <laughs> but like yeah that's it that's interesting like it would so I, th- I guess it would make sense with the way that Antony treats her and the way that Antony's like just trying to marry her off to Burbrook. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- <laughs> to, yeah like, I hate that guy. He's so gross. Super hate that guy. I hate a lot of people in this, by the way. I'm just <laughs> gonna throw that
0: out there. I'm here for uh, it.
1: Like, you're gonna, you're gonna hear me say that a lot of like, yeah, I hate that guy. That guy sucks.
0: <laughs> I'm here for it. So I feel like lord burbrook is like a unifying hatred right we all can't stand him we all don't want daphne to end up with him he's
1: like the obvious villain
0: yes and he's just so determined and did you i should have written it down there was a line that he makes about how he's been like he's like basically so excited now that she's of marrying age and how he's always been attracted to her and she's basically like oh since since i was a child like implying that he's kind of yeah yeah. Like, good for you, girl. Call him out. Ew. Like,
1: like you've been looking at me since I was little. Like, that's so creepy and yeah. gross. And the thing, the worst part about that is that he legitimately thinks that that is a compliment.
0: Yes. What is that? Dead ass,
1: dead ass thinks that that is a straight compliment. Like, she yep. should take that as, like, oh, you have? You've been waiting for me this whole time? Since I was little, yeah. you must really love me. He really thinks that that's the reaction that he is going to get. And she's just like, Ugh.
0: I know you bring up we, we talked about like, you know, Daphne, it's her first season in the, in the show. And the queen basically is like, you're the pinnacle of beauty. Like you're the shining star. You're the one, the best one, which the way that they do this makes me feel like it feels very much like a cattle call. Like this is the best one who's got $2 million to buy her.
1: Okay. But not only that, like I, Like I watched that particular scene a couple of times because I'm just like, I feel like there's like a piece of information that they all have. They're just like, Daphne's the belle of the ball. Of course Daphne's the belle of the ball. Of course. And I'm just like, well, I mean, like she's pretty.
0: She alright. Yeah, like I'm, you know, I don't think she's the prettiest one personally. But also, I came into the show a little prejudice because that actress plays Claire on this show called Younger. Mm-hmm. It's a TV Land original. Now it's gone through a couple of network jumps, whatever. But the point is, is she plays Claire on this show, and I don't like that her character on that show. Like no. I can't stand her on that show. So oh, okay. when. She- shows up on this show and she's supposed to be this like chaste, beautiful, the bell of the ball. And I'm like, that's the bitch that hurt Nico. I have to work to get past that.
1: So I kind of have that same thing with Dean from Gilmore Girls. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Like, I don't like Dean. I think that he sucks. I think he's really crappy character. Like, so I refuse to watch that other show that he's in.
0: Supernatural.
1: Sure. Whatever. (laughs) I don't I don't like it. I don't I've never watched a single episode of it. Not a si- I've never watched a, a second of it. Yeah. Because I don't like him that much as Dean. Isn't just, it funny how
0: that kind of stuff in, like influences us in like how we consume like somebody else's. Or just consu- Yes. I find it hilarious. But and then because she's doing an Irish accent on Younger which sounds terrible. So to go from hearing her using like a Irish accent to using her natural so then I had then I struggled with the way she said words like I'm so like there's certain things I'm just like I just feel like are you really British I'm confused which is mean I had a hard time Um, getting into Daphne being the belle of the ball based on her younger character I think that just
1: with the with her being the belle of the ball right I think that it's just so range this like criteria what is it did she pick the right color that season
0: right
1: and and that's like a serious question did she pick the correct color that season because Mm -hmm. at that time like you notice most of these girls are wearing the same color tones
0: yes which is what makes the Featherington so fabulous (laughs) we could talk about that in a moment but continue your thought
1: right but like so they all have to kind of pick their bolts of fabric, right? They pick their specific color, and then all of their dresses are made from this color weft, which is gorgeous. And it's such a cool concept of because then you know what family is which, right? That was an easy way for them to know, like, who's from what family? Oh, well, Mm -hmm. this family has these colors this year, right? And the daughters are wearing x, y and z colors this year, the Featheringtons, because they're in so many different colors. That bold shows
0: colors too, bright and, and bold. Bold
1: colors that um were cheap. Like they're wearing out of date, out of season clothing. They're probably wearing clothing that is fitted for them and mm. not custom and not custom made. And based on the fact that they are able to wear so many different colors throughout the season is actually like a negative thing on them. Like because it shows like you didn't pick a color this season.
0: Right. Yeah, there's a reference in a later episode when Madame Delacroix comes Yeah, And so one of the daughters like holds up the dress. She's like, oh, this needs to be sized down or like adjusted for me. And I just thought that's really interesting. And that's really interesting because we never see them in the shop getting like no nope. fitted we always see them in the shop to talk to the modiste you know what yes. i mean like we don't see them on the little pedestal the way that we do with the bridgerton girls
1: that's the thing they're doing that's a very purposeful thing that they're showing us that like huh they're in this world kind of
0: kind of they're trying real hard the other thing that in the first three chapters of the book that you learn is that mr uh, lord featherington is he's already dead in the book. Oh. They reference him in, I think the third chapter when Lady Featherington says he's been dead already for three years. And there's a fourth sister and her name doesn't start with a P. I was like, what, what am I doing? Why am I listening to this right now? What? Should I be a TV show purist at this with this? Why doesn't her name start with a P?
1: That's I weird. First I know. of all, that's just freaking weird.
0: Yeah. Did they not like that one? I don't know. Back to the Featheringtons though when we sort of first meet them and their family Penelope's reading and Lady Featherington says to her Penelope put down that book at once you'll spoil your thoughts and it's just like oh my god.
1: I love phrases like that. Right. I, lo- I love them because like you really have to dissect them right you're just like what does that mean Mm -hmm. you will spoil your thoughts like spoil them with
0: my own thinking I I don't know can you no longer manipulate me into believing whatever you want me to believe if I'm thinking for myself
1: (laughs) right pretty much like that's exactly what that means and you're just like huh
0: yeah it feels icky that's why I love her relationship with Eloise so Eloise is the second sister but she's number five in the line of the eight Bridgerton children. And so that's what I think makes her relationship, Eloise and Penelope's relationship kind of special because Penelope kind of wants to have the freedom that Eloise has but Eloise is very much like she you could see it in her face she's like panicked about how she has to debut and like she doesn't want to yeah. do any of those things like, I'm just, no
1: like, I want to stay here and read my books and I want to go to university and I want to be awesome okay in the book though have you read anything about the other sister
0: Francesca no I haven't made it that far yet so I'm at the point where they it's are really at the first yeah like she I told because I totally forgot about her until the end when they're like oh Francesca Aunt Winnie has written Francesca's coming home and I'm like oh yeah there was a Francesca like, I totally oh forgot. yeah <laughs> because there's an F it would be weird if there wasn't Yes. So, for anybody listening, the Bridgerton siblings, there's eight of them, and they're named in alphabetical order. So, Anthony is the oldest boy, then Benedict, then Colin, then Daphne, and, and Eloise. Eloise, Francesca, Gregory, and Hyacinth.
1: Which I love like,
0: that name. Yes, so much. It's so extra. The whole concept around Daphne being, you know, of marriageable age and trying to get her married off and Antony's just flawed dedication to making that happen. But then with her two older brothers, and I think I noted this a couple of times in our notes, two older brothers who are deemed too young to get married, but Daphne's totally age appropriate to get married every time that came up i was just like fuck this shit come on mm-hmm. no colin can totally get They're married not he's to not too down. young come on if daphne can get married colin can get married part of, part of it is that during this time period women would
1: usually die during childbirth, right so like the idea was you marry off earlier as a female right because you're probably gonna die yeah the younger you have your children the less likely are you you are going to die yeah in that time period right like while it's it's bullshit that they are not of maritable age and she is a maritable age like in retrospect it does kind of make sense because the longer mm. and longer it takes for them to get pregnant it, the longer and longer it takes for her to get pregnant the like it's it just increases her chances of like basically hemorrhaging and
0: dying. I specifically get, wh- forget which episode it was, but we see that in the episode where we learn about more about the Duke of Hastings and his, you know, yeah. his existence coming in to the world and just the way that his, um, that whole situation with his mom, which is very sad. I know like the Viscount, the older brother, Anthony being the head of the household, because you know, his father's no longer with us. Gosh, that's gotta be hard. Cause you have seven younger siblings that your mother is still technically I guess. Um, Uh, And
1: her and his mother. He also has his mother to
0: now care to now be in charge of. Yes. And so just kind of unpacking Anthony. Because we first meet him. He is totally having sex with some chick. We don't know who she is yet. We meet him having sex against a tree. He's running late for whatever. The dead ball or whatever.
1: So I'm not even going to lie. When that happened, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I was so taken aback by that whole thing I'm like okay well well then that's I mean that the place that's, that's one way to do, do it, it I guess I suppose that seemed really uncomfortable to me like I definitely would not want to treat in my back yeah, and you're so out in the open right and like poor guard oh my god that coachman just standing there and he is just, just like doo do, to do like Please hurry up! Oh my god, this guy! I can't believe that we're doing this again. You can tell that this was not his first rodeo. Right. This right. was not the first time that this happened. He was just like, "Fuck again!" I hate the Viscount. I hate <laughs> him. I really, really dislike him so much as like a character. He mm-hmm. sucks. So he, I, I hate him as a brother. He's a bad brother. Yeah. He's, he's like all over the place, and he totally tries to. I don't understand his reasoning for making this a match. It literally makes no sense.
0: Yeah. 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 He talks about, cause you know, the conversation that he and his mom have about like, you're cause I thought it was really interesting how she's like, you want to be the head of the household, but you're not really being the head of the household. Like your father would right. be doing what he needed to do to get an appropriate match for Daphne. But then somehow he can't interpret that correctly. So he finds like the actual biggest douchebag in all of London to like, well, he's not seen going in and out of brothels and he doesn't have any debts and like all these things that you would think are like good on paper, um, which they are good on paper. But in reality, like the reason why he's not seen coming out of brothels is because Lord Burbrook is disgusting and probably not even a prostitute would have sex with him.
1: Or he's gotten, he's probably gotten kicked out of the brothel.
0: Kicked out. That's probably more likely, right? Like his behavior was probably because so atrocious. Cuz he doesn't the
1: thing. Like don't get it twisted that brothels were just a place for men to go and do whatever they wanted. Right. To women, those women were taken care of by right. the madam that ran that brothel. So, if you did something that was shameful mm-hmm. to those women or hurt them in some way,
0: you're not welcome there anymore right which is totally believable for his character to be somebody to get removed because as we meet him and learn more about him through the episodes that he is in you see him displaying just really ghastly behavior towards Daphne and it's just like right. douche. and Pretty so much. with with Anthony being like he's like grasping at straws he doesn't know what he's doing I got the sense that dad maybe died suddenly. I don't know because I'm not at that part in the book and they never really address it in the show. You know, the way that the girls are groomed to be these debutantes and then good wives and what have you, I didn't get the sense that the same happened for Antony becoming Viscount.
1: Well, I think that that's pretty pretty evident to all of these younger men that we see, the Viscount, Mm -hmm. even the Duke. The Duke was groomed to technically yes be well educated Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and he was he like i said well educated and he was very he was very well educated socially and academically but he stayed far away or at least in the show he stayed far away from the hastings household Mm -hmm. he did not really realize the depth of the job until he became the duke and until they're married and, and way into the um like you know way later on in the season yeah And so it kind of seems like, and that's referenced over and over and over again, how the girls are groomed to know their place in society Mm
0: -hmm. and know
1: that their only job really is to get married and have babies.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's the only thing that makes them worth anything in Mm -hmm. this society. And then you have the men, they are encouraged to like, sow their oats, Mm -hmm. sow their wild oats so that they can be good husbands Mm -hmm. and it is encouraged for them to do all of their wild partying and get all of that out of their system as a young man because Mm -hmm. women aren't allowed to have that they don't we have to they have to be demure they can't do like wild partying and doing all of these things you get that freedom when you are married right care of right which is so
0: interesting especially because you could be so easily ruined if you even you know have a innocent kiss with somebody or not so mm-hmm. innocent kiss with somebody there's not a lot of innocent kissing in this show i'm Mm-mm. gonna throw that out there nope whoever the intimacy coordinator was like good job well there done no, you
1: there was uh, some definite coordination it's very believable <laughs>
0: nice work guys <laughs> good job Sorry, mom. I know you're listening. Please don't watch Bridgerton. It'll be real (laughs) awkward for me. You have no idea what it's like to be a woman, to have one's entire life be reduced to a single moment. This is all I have been raised for. This is all I am. I have no other value. If I am unable to find a husband, I will be worthless. That statement is so heartbreaking because there are women today who still believe that concept. It just proves once again, like just how much of a complete
1: dick her brother is Mm -hmm. and like why like why is he almost hellbent on ruining her like he knows that that's a bad match I don't care what he's saying you can tell when he's talking about it that he's like almost trying to convince himself yes he doesn't believe that this is a good match he's like 25 years older than Daphne like what this This guy's guy's like 45 okay like get get out of here
0: with this guy Yeah.
1: And her mother is just like, so that would be so terrifying as a mom. Yeah, because you know that he's supposed to be taking care of this. And he's like, he's the head of the household. Mm -hmm. You have no control. Even as the mother, you have no control. All of the control has been given to your freaking dumb son. Yeah, just wants to screw people against trees.
0: Like, I agree with you because that particular couple has a scene later in, I think, episode one that is actually very intimate and beautiful and vulnerable. And I was like, now this is a beautiful scene, like yeah, po- post-coitus. Yeah. And, and so that contrast really struck me because I felt like that contrast showed like his conflict internally about that character, whose name is Sienna. Back to the, you know, Lady Bridgerton, to your point, you know, watching your- Dumbass son, make a terrible decision for your daughter when you've basically bred your daughter to be this beautiful person or whatever. And then also emphasizing a love match. And then also, you're relegated to being like nothing because your husband, who we clearly get the sense that you guys were a partnership and valued each other, is no longer with you. So now you have to be put in a position.
1: Yeah.
0: Like you're put in a position where like your son's in charge now. Like, fuck that.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Like, I no. No, thank you. You could, no.
0: I really felt for her. Having your time as the Viscountess being cut short, that had to have been hard.
1: I think that it's just, it's kind of degrading at the mm-hmm. same time. Like, to to have to give up your control to your son,
0: mm-hmm. who you know is not
1: doing the right thing in his own life. Mm-hmm. Who you know is not taking his own role seriously. And now all of a sudden it's season time and it's her oldest daughter- having to go through her in this case in the show it's her first season mm-hmm. like that would be really difficult especially after getting coined as the bell of the ball and then like she thinks that she has such a high chance to get someone wonderful and mm-hmm. high rank not only high ranking but someone that she can have a good relationship with yeah down the line like a potential good relationship and then she's got her son just fucking it up
0: just Royal. meddling in the worst way it's sad too because you're watching these couples who clearly like the featheringtons clearly aren't in love and then you right. hear all of these loving moments between violet and her husband when you have parents who are a love match like that's easy to fall into like i would want a love match if my parents are a love match but when your parents are not happy you know it's
1: right and this is you, you see some it as a random incitation. And it's not some random person making this match. Like, if it was, like, if it was, like, in different cultures, you know, Mm -hmm. where you have matchmakers that are coming from outside of your family that didn't know that your parents were a love match, that don't know these things about you that intimately, right, Right. it would make more sense that, like, well, here's your match. Like, whatever, you're going to learn how to love this person. That's how it works. But this isn't the case here. He knows that his parents were in love. Yeah. He knows this information. Yes. To me, he's being a big, petty man-child. Yes. And he doesn't want his sister to marry any of his friends.
0: Right. Because he knows everything about his friends and they're not good enough. (laughs) Like maybe maybe don't be that guy
1: he doesn't or he doesn't want his friends to spout out information about him
0: Ooh, i never thought about that that's a fair point because you're you're not you know what because he thinks that nobody knows about him and sienna and everybody knows about him and sienna all of his boys know about him and sienna so
1: if she marries one of his one of his friends what's going to stop them from telling her at some point in time Right. And then what's going to stop her from telling her mom or confronting him and calling him out. And then all of his fun is all over because he's fucking an opera singer.
0: Yep. Who I just, I didn't need all of her sex faces. Like that was just not good. She's not an unattractive person, but her sex faces were just real uncomfortable for me.
1: Some sex faces just aren't that great though. So I kind of, I kind of appreciated having that. Okay. Because like it normalizes that like sometimes sex isn't that sexy looking sometimes it just is yeah. what it is
0: right and it's against that's a tree fine
1: t- sometimes it's against a tree
0: i do love that by the end of episode one. Oh, that's the other thing about the book lady danbury you know in the show they give us this perception that lady danbury had a lot to do with the duke of hastings upbringing and his education and all this right. stuff but really she, yes, he references her as being like an important person in his life, but all of those key marker things that we see happen in the show with the confrontations of his dad, that wasn't Lady Danbury instigating those. It was his nurse or whatever the, it's you know, the person who's raising him. So I guess his, technically at the time it's referred to as a nurse, but she did more than medical, right? Right. It's Like his governess. Yeah. But they call uh-huh. you know, like, like a governess a but nurse. they call her a nurse because he's so little. I don't know. But I love how Lady. Le- Lady Danbury and Lady Violet are like you know what we should do we should encourage this love match this <laughs> makes this happen this is yeah because you know Violet's my like son is a moron yes exactly so Violet's like we have to stop my son from being from ruining everything and Lady Danbury's like you know m- m- the equivalent of a nephew my nephew is an idiot let's fix this
1: fix this because they obviously like each other but the like it's so interesting because like neither of the parties like on male or female side Mm -hmm. at this point in time how can they really know when they like each other
0: they haven't
1: been taught these things Mm -hmm. women are just
0: taught to sit and be yeah they reference you know oh she's an ex um an accomplished needle worker or whatever they call it right a her ne- needle yeah, is accomplished. her,
1: her needlework is exquisite and accomplished yeah. or she's a pianist yeah or she sings or she plays the flute or she yeah. does she's a little bird that does tricks for you that's what was a good woman mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but in that sense how like how do you know when you like someone if that's all that you're taught to do
0: right perform
1: these tricks and like just exist
0: which makes kind of the introduction that the crash in the crash meet cute that the duke and daphne have so much fun because she genuinely has no idea who he is and he's like you don't know who i am uh, first of all that's okay douche but like at the same time but he's coming into this as like literally he's been swarmed by moms who are like meet my daughter and she's an accomplished needle stitcher (laughs) worker (laughs) right and he's just like okay whatever I don't care yeah and then here's Daphne who's like quickly tell me your name and he's like you don't know who I am like what oh man I actually really loved that scene I thought it was really adorable yeah I did too because she wasn't afraid yeah
1: no she was just like help and like but it's also it's also like a very true thing that like I think even that still happens now like yeah, at a party some weird guys following you mm-hmm. and you see a nice looking guy that you are getting like a good vibe off of mm-hmm. and you just go up to him and you're just like help me
0: yeah or help you me. say something like oh you know my boyfriend's on his way to pick me up like somehow mm-hmm. we have to throw in a man even if he's not real in our lives to sort of be our savior because our word isn't enough
1: right because and even lady violet Um, says remember that like the Lord might not take your no seriously yes but he will take the word of another man right so therefore she has to find. she has to make it work with the Duke of Hastings or else she's not going to have a choice, but to
0: marry this guy. Right. Total crap. It really is. It's so upsetting. So at the end of episode one, this plan is concocted from lady Danbury and um, lady Bridgerton to sort of match, bring uh, Daphne and the Duke together. And then, but then then Daphne and the Duke sort of come up with a similar plan. Like let's pretend we're dating. So that way we can sort of elevate the the vulgar mommy, the vulgar mom, mamas will leave you alone and then like my position will be elevated because now the duke is interested
1: right right like it's such a cockamamie scheme right yes. but also like it it just shows like that this whole thing is just a game
0: yeah it's yeah. all just a
1: game and they all just have to play these di- and but the worst part about this game is that everyone's playing by different freaking rules yeah. on like this same board yes and you're like what's even happening here right. like does anyone even know what we're playing does anyone even does anyone even know what the end game is well the end game is to get married
0: married but like by any means necessary apparently
1: but any means necessary that's we are only
0: r- get this done yeah that's the only rule that's consistent from every family by any means necessary it's gonna happen well because
1: well because they can only get married within the season right so like yeah of course all there's all this pressure because they have mm-hmm. to get married In this certain time period.
0: So, in episode two, we now see Simon and Daphne sort of like in the throes of their like fake courtship, but we know it's fake. The rest of the world doesn't know it's fake. Right. And then, Anthony, the big brother, is very upset by this news because i right? guess we should have said we should have said earlier that the duke has made it very clear that he plans to never get married and that's a direct result of his poor relationship with his father like he does not have a positive relationship with his father so you can draw the line there he's like Fuck right. that guy i don't want to be a dad
1: i think it's not only that he doesn't want to be a dad i think that he would like to be a dad it's just that being a dad means that he's continuing his family line and mm-hmm. that is something that his dad wanted yes and he doesn't want to give his dad anything that he wants.
0: So, Do we learn that in the second episode or do we learn that later? I can't remember.
1: I think that we learned a little bit of that in.
0: Like every episode gives episode. us a little nugget, right? Yeah,
1: it gives us a little bit because it, everything goes out of order, which is kind of
0: yeah we get everything in the book the first chapter that's all it's all simon's horrific upbringing and you know the death of his mother and just the crap that his dad puts him through like that's Mm -hmm. how the book opened and i was like oh okay so we're just diving in we're just diving right into that okay well
1: i'm gonna gonna have to read the book before the next season comes out because i would really like to get a better more in-depth understanding yeah Um, because you know we're going with season two
0: yeah because I didn't I guess I didn't realize they were books but then why would I when I went to go check it out of the library it was in like the romance section which isn't my chosen not my genre yeah it's not my genre of choice you know the show releases and everyone's like oh all these things and then everyone's like the book Book versus the movie, and oh yeah, I guess it is a book series. I should look into this more because now, because because you know, when everyone lost their shit that the Duke's not coming back, I was like, well, let's look at the books and see what the deal is. And each of the eight books in the series is for one of the eight children. So not knowing the behind the scenes drama stuff about him, I'm thinking, oh, he's probably going to be less prominent because the next book is about Antony and his search for a match. And then, and then you enlightened me about him having a little bit of a fit about not being so prominent in the second season. I thought, oh, that's interesting. But I think it's in this episode that we get the view of the Duke of Hasty, of his mom, Simon's mom going into childbirth, yeah. delivering the baby. And it's just, it's kind of a horrific scene. I mean, if you're sensitive to maternal deaths on, on screen, you know, it's definitely like a content warning situation because they do really get into it and the loss oh, of- yeah blood that she experiences and then the just again back to that cattle mentality the dad's just like you need to tell me now do I have a boy or not and you're just like they they just got the shoulders out like calm down (laughs) right like you need to chill for one and then like
1: also like there was just no maternal medicine at this time and right. they treat her like
0: a cow pushing out a calf
1: he's so belligerent is he drunk
0: who knows i would like to think that if he was drunk then that at least kind of not excuses his behavior but because if you're a sober person behaving that way during a childbirth like fuck or you, lower, good, you I mean, know cuz bad he was bad so bad in childbirth but yeah it, he's so demanding during the whole thing you know and he's the i mean as you highlighted, you know, this blatant disregard for um, women's health and just women in general during childbirth. And it was just so upsetting to watch, not just because of the extent of how awful he was, but also because that kind of shit still happens today or not. I don't know what the actual statistics are behind it, but I do know that Black maternal health is not great. And, you know, the U.S. isn't exactly at the top of their game. We're like number three in the world for maternal deaths, which is mind blowing to me because we're such a developed country and we have, quote, the best medical system that this should not be happening in the way that it's still happening.
1: No, it really shouldn't. Just the maternal mortality rate for women in the United States is um, it's 18.5 maternal deaths per every hundred thousand live births.
0: That's a lot. That's high. That's really That's high. Real
1: high, guys.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and then if we add in the statistic for people of color, for Black women alone, it is 37 deaths per 100,000.
0: That's too many. April 11th through April 17th is, is Black Maternal Health Week. And a lot of public health agencies will do education and awareness for Black maternal health. And then like one of the days in that week is like specifically like Black Maternal Health Day. Maternal health, As a whole, we need to do better, but especially for our communities of color.
1: The fact is, is that women of color started off being manhandled in obstetrics, died in obstetrics, and died for obstetrics. And there's a reason that they're still dying at a higher rate. And it's because of the way that we handle Black women. And
0: I think that if there's such a push for us to have children and to be mothers, then we need to be able to trust the system that is going to help us deliver said child. Because if you're going into it believing one thing, and then coming out of it not alive, that's a huge problem. That's
1: actually kind of a perfect segue, though, into your next point, into Eloise asking
0: yes. how one becomes with child. Yes. Like, oh, man. At first, I'm just heartbroken that this is not a conversation that girls and women are Talked to about. And even now to this day, we still have like a weird, awkward relationship with being able to talk with young girls and women about how this happens. (laughs) So, so pregnancy comes to be. Yes, yes. Penelope's family, the Featheringtons, have this distant cousin that comes and stays with them for the season. And Lady Featherington realizes that her courses haven't come. So, clearly, that means she's with child. So, they're veiling it as she's unwell. So Penelope and Eloise, their friendship, Penelope open, but doesn't say that it's Marina. She says that it's somebody in the house. So then it's the maid, the maid. So then like Eloise is like, but how does one come become with child if they're not married? Because up until, I don't know, 20 years ago, we still believed that you could only get pregnant if you're married. (laughs) And like, please let's, let's just dive into that just a little
1: bit. They legitimately believed that until the day you took your vows of marriage yeah. to your husband, you physically could not become pregnant. It is Just, a it is actually a condition that happens with pregnant where with with marriage. Yeah. like They know that it's in their body. They know yeah. that they're the ones that grow the baby because they know about their courses.
0: Right. So because it? you don't know. You, no one's talking to you about the honeymoon. No one's talking to you about your body right and so when Eloise bursts out in the drawing room and says how does one become pregnant if one's not married and like Violet's just like and poor Eloise is
1: absolutely terrified and that she's going to magically become pregnant Pregnant. she's going to like some man is going to like look at her wrong Mm -hmm. or like blow magic fairy dust on her and she is going to have a baby in her stomach and she's like how the fuck does this happen i need to make sure that this doesn't happen to me
0: yes and so and so anthony violet benedict even colin they all know they all clearly know how this works and everyone's just like um and the boys snicker about it the boys
1: snicker about the whole thing and it's so irritating to me because like they could just tell her Mm -hmm. they're they're her brothers like they don't have to tell her right there in the drawing room
0: they could like pull her aside and
1: be like okay look
0: Especially because Eloise and Benedict have clearly a special relationship and we see them in their own scenes together being very vulnerable about expectations in the type of family that that they are. And just, I love it too. And so, you know, so that's the part where I'm just like, this is kind of heartbreaking because you can be really close to somebody in your family, but yet there's still going to be a level of mistrust. Yeah.
1: Because you know that they're not telling you really important information. That is important information. And that like, I I can only imagine how terrifying that would be.
0: Eloise already doesn't want to be in the season. She already is having a hard time with that. We've learned that she's asked Violet to delay her a year from being presented. Violet agrees. So to already be sort of scared of that whole marriage concept, because that there's a lot there. And then to think like you can, You can become pregnant without being married? Like what? Like
1: like, I can do all of these things and I cannot get presented and I cannot get married and I can do all these things that I, in my head, I want to do and start all of these things that I want to do and I can still end up pregnant. Yeah. And then if I end up pregnant without a, without a husband, Mm -hmm. I'm
0: ruined forever. Right. Terrifying. I think Eloise is my favorite character on the show. She's definitely up there in mine. Yeah. I
1: really love her a lot. I really love Lady Danbury too. Just oh yeah, Lady like,
0: Danbury is pretty awesome. She
1: takes no shit from anyone. Like, it's so great.
0: I think we still have Lord Burbrook as an issue in episode two. We have that whole issue of Antony not really fully considering the arrangement with Burbrook and, like, you, to your point, he knows that this guy's not a great person and he sort of makes references in the early part of episode one, but then for some reason by episode two, he's forgotten all of the things that he hates about him and moves forward, which is stupid.
1: Let's just start grasping at straws. Yeah.
0: But I do love that, like, Violet kind kind of always calls out Daphne and she's like, I can see that you're in love. And like she's just like, you guys are in love about her and Simon. Like you guys right. are you're totally in love. And and Daphne just feels so guilty because she's like pretending and faking and you're like, are you though?
1: <laughs> but like, and then that's such a but it's such a true thing that people still people still do that. Like yeah. it's still a thing. People don't ever want to catch feelings as yeah. As now that's Like no one ever wants to admit that to the other person because if you admit it to the other person, then that means it's real and that you have that you have the pressure Mm -hmm. and semi obligation by social standards to like be together
0: yeah and in in a in a current culture context it's you're being vulnerable too like if we Mm -hmm. reference it as today you're being vulnerable and then what if they don't reciprocate and you're just like shit I put myself out there and they don't reciprocate and that's horrifying nobody wants to get hurt (laughs) why is that like
1: so horrifying now is that like a big thing a while back because I remember I've always been like just a really forward person I was like I'll tell you if I like you I don't care yeah like if you say that you don't like me like uh uh-uh
0: I think for me, I am similar to you in the sense of, like, if I like you, you'll know. If I don't, you'll know. But there's maybe been one or two people, guys I've dated, where I was like, oh, this, I'm, like, totally vulnerable and falling, and this is not okay, and I don't like it because I don't know where you stand. And both of those ended badly, so. so. So now I'm, like, you know, 37, and I'm just over here, like, oh. I'm ready to like catch feelings but you're ready you're ready for the feelings yeah but also like I'm just I feel like I'm too old to get hurt so let's like let's make this work people (laughs) like I've had enough hurt in the last 17 years can we just like bring on a good one
1: (laughs) and like you don't want someone to end up acting like Simon the total fuck boy in this situation yeah and like he totally likes her she totally likes him she's from the
0: jump he liked her from the jump jump, like He liked her because he, she didn't know who he was. Yes. And he, and she just like, could have a real conversation with him. And he wasn't, she wasn't like faking swooning to get his attention. <laughs>
1: The swooning. The I swooning. love I love the swooning. I Brings really me, love that. Yeah, I think
0: ma- it's so funny. Makes me kind of want a swooning couch for my house so I can just, you know, when I want to get out of a conversation, I can just swoon. I like, I actually like the Duke of Hastings. I like him more than the yeah.
1: Viscount because the Viscount is just a dick because he's selfish and narcissistic and wants to do what he wants to do. Yeah. The Duke has very obvious childhood trauma. Yes. Like he's not processed and like well, and
0: he's not allowed to process. He has to not allowed to process even to this day. Men can't aren't we do not value men being vulnerable. Sorry to cut you off. I apologize. No, you're fine. In the book, when they're at the ball and all of the women are like, "Oh, it's so nice to meet you. I was my husband was a dear friend of your husband's," and like you know, Simon would just bristle because nobody understands that he went through hell and back because of his dad. He doesn't want to be in society. He doesn't want to do the season. He hates it because his father was so awful to him. We see that in show and I, I think they play it down a little bit actually comparatively to the book. It feels to me, they try to condense it. Mm-hmm. So that like we just get all of the
1: information and then it's just like done. We just right. understand where he's coming from and
0: Yes, because his, like you say, his childhood trauma, he's trying, he can't, hasn't processed it. He's not allowed to process it. And even the little bits he gives to Antony, which isn't much. Right.
1: And I think that like, and even, and like talking about it now, it makes sense why Antony would be so against her being with the Duke because for Anthony, he doesn't want to get married because he wants to sow his wild oats and he right. wants to be a party boy and he wants to do all of these things that he knows are is not right. Mm-hmm. He's doing all of these things that he knows he shouldn't be doing, right? But he wants, he wants to, to be continue. a party boy. He wants to be a party boy and he doesn't want to get married. So you've got the duke saying he doesn't want to get married and i'm sure that Anthony's just like well it's the same reason he sees him going and traveling and going to brothels and having all of these women so he just assumes that he's a bad guy like him right but in my opinion i don't really think that that's true
0: he's coping It's his way coping. of coping with this trauma but,
1: but even though he's not necessarily a bad guy we see in this with lord burbrook and the duke's confrontation and mm-hmm. they're both, they're both fucking comparing the women to horses. Yes, <laughs> they're both doing it. Yeah. So like, he's still, even though he's not a terrible guy, he does have Daphne's best interest at heart, in a sense, mm-hmm. as much as he can. But systemically, that's. Still
0: in them right because that's basically what they've been bred to understand or raised to understand right. is that this is you know this is just an um an ornament to your life and lord burbrook kind of makes that sort of reference about daphne all the time it it's i'm gonna be the one who has the diamond of the season and you're just like right you know. because she's
1: just this trophy that he wants to have on his arm mm-hmm. as, like eye candy and then, like, to top it all off, like, so then they have this big fucking fight.
0: Right? Oh, my God. When he, like, just beats, like, the Duke of Hastings just beats the shit out of him. I was just like. The hell out
1: of him. Was it was really like, satisfying, actually. I was just like, it yeah. really
0: was. And I'm a pacifist. So I just, like, was like, oh, God, thank God. Like, put that man in his place. He's a gross human. He Bro- really is. Bro-brook.
1: And, like, I- I'm not a pacifist. <laughs> this is a great fight scene because he really does just lay into him, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like on top of that, so he gets his ass just completely handed handed yeah. handed to him. Then he tries to fix it so mm-hmm. that he so he goes to the court system. Yes, special. Pe- I got him. a special license. He got a special license to marry this person without their permission in three days. What? In three days, what is that? What is
0: this special license? The lack of consent that women are allowed to have right like it's she has no choice Antony is like angry as all hell like you did what like you've which you know his role in this whole situation is very clear he's enabled it but then I right. love how indignant he is when the vicant when Lord Burbrook comes in is like I have a special license and then we can get married in three days and I expect to be married to her in three days and and Anthony is just like he could see murder on his face like he's gonna murder this guy
1: and part of it is because he knows that he messed up and i don't know if anyone else was confused by this Mm -hmm. on like okay he went to the court and he got a special like what the fuck even is this i think that this is what happened i think that he cited that he inappropriately touched her and I think that he could go to the court and plead. And if anyone has any information on this please let us know because it would be really interesting but this is my understanding uh-huh. of it uh-huh. if he went to the court and said I already kissed her she's already mine
0: she has no virtue we, left
1: we she has no virtue left we were in the throes of passion hmm wasn't assault if we were in the throes of passion we love each other so much And he could go to the court and say, well, I love her so much. And I've already been, we've already done this. Right. And her, and her parents are not giving permission. Her family's not giving permission. I need permission from the court. And then the court would give permission.
0: Yeah. That's interesting too, because of the way of the protocol, right? There's this protocol in place on, you have to apply for a license. You have to, it has to run so many times in the paper. You have to wait 30 days. There's like all these little markers, right. That like exist throughout history. If anyone has any information on that. Yeah, where's our hi- where's our hist- marriage historians? Please, yeah, where are our marriage
1: historians? We need we need help. Yes, help us, please.
0: Without any digging, the surface of fairy tales and princess movies is that marriages feel like a love match. And all Daphne wants is a love match. And I feel that so deeply. If you haven't watched Bridgerton yet, what are you waiting for? Next week, you guessed right, we'll be talking about episodes three and four. Can't wait to talk to you next time, y'all. Have a good week.